Okay, a couple things. Does anyone know why we serve you coffee on Sunday mornings? So you wake up, yeah. There's actually two reasons. The first one is that we we want you to feel anticipated. We want you to feel so welcome here, like it's just this big family, because that's really what we are. Um, and somehow a cup of coffee helps with that. And also, we really, really want to wake you up to what God wants to speak into your life. And so we just caffeinate you. <laughs> hey, um, we love hosting you on Sunday mornings. This Everyone sitting in these chairs that is part of this church um, we're so glad that you're a part. And if you're a guest, you mean the world to us. I love what Leah said, that we value you so much. So I hope that you have a chance to connect to somebody today that um, could really change your life if you have just a meaningful conversation, because I know God's got something here for you today. So Chris opened the series last week. It's called Sleeper Cell. And I have to say, I pray that it is a message that, that woke you up Now, I didn't know the definition of sleeper cell, but Chris shared it. He said a sleeper cell is a group of agents that remain inactive within a target population until ordered to act. Church reminded us, or Chris reminded us that the church of Jesus is an incredibly powerful force. That we are not this just lame, no-name group of people that have to lay dormant to the enemy's schemes. No, we are the people of God And we were put here on this planet, do you know this? To rule over the enemy. So often we get so tripped up about what the enemy is doing in our lives and he's messing with us and we forget that we get to mess with him. Yeah, Yeah? we get to rule over him. I love that. We are the people of God. We have the power over the enemy. And Chris reminded us, and I loved this. He said, we've been called to step forward and attack the darkness. How many of you wanted to be a superhero when you were little? I didn't, but I wanted to be a warrior for Jesus. And so, man, the fact that we get to step forward and attack the darkness just absolutely wakes me up. So I pray that last Sunday that your soul was at the very least, like, pricked. Okay, you know, like when you are fast asleep and you hear this strange sound and you twitch. Or like suddenly there's a noise and you're startled awake. That is the sign that you are awake. If that didn't at least happen, I have bad news. You might be spiritually sleeping. But there's good news. You still have time to wake up during this series because there's a few messages to follow. But here's the deal. For so many years, the church has been the sleeper cell. Some of us have been inactive in a target population that God's put us in, and we're saying nothing because we're asleep. But Jesus is, in, is saying in Isaiah 51, or 52.1, he says, Wake up. Wake up, O Zion, and clothe yourself with strength. So you're being activated right now. I don't know if you knew you were coming for a mission, but you, you were. And it's your time to get in the battle, to put on the strength that God has given you. His word says that his strength works best when you're weak. So if you feel weak, you're perfect for the job. And so maybe you're like, okay, I'm in, I'm awake, but what's this battle you're talking about? I'm so happy that you asked because I'd like to tell you. It's the battle for lost souls, for people that are far from God. And as the church of Jesus Christ, it is our only mission to see people brought to life in Jesus Christ. That's the entire goal. So Sleeper Cell is a series that's calling us to action. 
for the church to wake up and become active in sharing the gospel message. It is our only mission on earth beyond praising God the Father is to bring people to his heart. Now, as I was preparing this message, I was focusing on someone that I was pretty sure everyone in this room would know. Like I'd say his name or her name and you'd go, yeah, I've heard of them. Um, and so I started to research this person because I wanted to give you a picture of the kind of influence you could potentially have. And so I'm researching this person and I start to get really excited. I'm like, man, this person has accomplished so many incredible things in a relatively short amount of time. And then this past Wednesday on February 21st, the entire world paused and recognized that exact same spiritual warrior. He went home to Jesus this week. He lived his life so well. You know who I'm talking about, Pastor Billy Graham. He's home at last. You know, and I thought it was crazy. This week, my husband ran in or heard three people who did not know who he was. I was shocked. I thought for sure every single person would know. And in case you're one of those people, it's okay. We love you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him because he is incredible. He um, was the most effective person at sharing the gospel of anyone in the past century. He was 99 years old when he died. He was literally the greatest evangelist that the church has seen probably since the disciples. He took so literal this commission from Jesus that he did so in nearly every single corner of the world. It was said that he had to sacrifice more than 60% of his time raising his kids in order to fulfill this call. I heard the liberal media quote this. They said, Billy Graham has been the world's most successful Christian ever known, at least when it comes to the commission of Jesus to carry the gospel to every corner of the world. What a legacy. I can't even fathom if someone got to say that about me. So 99 years on earth, he met Jesus at 16. He spent the next 83 years actively telling people of Jesus. And literally millions of souls came to know Jesus because of him. Listen to this. He preached live to live audiences of over 215 million people. And millions and millions more, if you count when his messages started to hit the radio and the TV broadcast. Unbelievable reach. Just absolutely incredible. He was the preacher to a dozen U.S. presidents. He had their ear. He prayed over them. He was the voice of solace to our nation multiple times in national tragedy. He really was America's pastor. But as I listened to all of this media talk about him, it was said that he was the most influential person to people in power across the world. So I really think that Billy Graham was probably more like the pastor to the world. He was the very, very best at what he did and what we are supposed to be doing. Billy once said, he was just this southern boy, and he said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask, Lord, why me? Why did you choose a farm boy from North Carolina to preach to so many people? And I'm convinced it's because of two things. His heart for people was enormous. And secondly, his obedience to God was even greater. He took it so literal. And he really saw people. My brother sent me this interview this week, and I loved it. It was in um, 1969. Woody Allen was interviewing Billy Graham. It's a, fun, it's a fun interview. I was laughing so hard. An interesting conversation. And Allen says, he says, if you'll come to one of my movies or shows, I'll go to one of your revival meetings. Those were like opposites, okay? 
And Billy responded with this huge smile. He's like, well, now that is a deal. And then they shook on it. It was so cool. But I loved that moment because it showed me Billy's heart for people, that he cared so much for people, even those, I would say, and especially those who were so different than him. So I watched all these interviews with him this week. And the thing that just I left with from that research was that Billy loved God heart, soul, and mind. He was so committed to sharing the simple gospel of Jesus, and he didn't make it difficult. His last crusade was in June of 2005 in New York City. It drew over 200,000 people in attendance. Nearly 9,000 people made first-time commitments to walk with Jesus. He was an older man by this time in his life. And then he said, I despise all this attention on me. I'm not trying to bring people to myself, but I know that God has sent me as a warrior. He did it all just by preaching the gospel. Guys, the gospel is enough for us. The gospel is enough for the people that you need to share it with. That's all you need, the gospel of Jesus. And I don't think, church, that it's happenstance that we're in this series right now asking you guys, begging with you, pleading with you that you would wake up to your role in helping non-believers find life in Jesus. And this very week, just a few days ago, the world's greatest evangelism went home to Jesus. Friends, because Billy is home with Jesus, there is a job opening I don't know if you think you fit the bill, but the world's greatest evangelism is now open. And you're wondering, like, I don't know if any of us fit the bill. Do we have the qualifications that require it? You're thinking, no way. My life is a mess. I'm shy. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't even like people. I don't really know much about God yet. I just met him like 15 years ago. I don't have very much scripture memorized. I just can't memorize things well. Um, My dad didn't lead me spiritually growing up, so I can't lead anyone spiritually. Guess what? Your dad might not have led you, but you've got a heavenly father who leads you every moment of every day. Step out of that excuse and step into new life with the father who was intended for you. Maybe you're like, man, my husband doesn't lead me spiritually. (laughs) The word of God is full of so much truth. Your husband might not be leading you, but Jesus is. So I have great news for you. You qualify. The job is yours if you want it. You're going to have to fight me for it because I kind of want it. But church, it's time to wake up. It's time to step up. Why? Because people need Jesus. And you're like, well, I'm pretty comfortable. I don't care. You already know him. Okay? It's time to step out. Step out of your quiet, cozy corner and start sharing the gospel. Because here's the coolest thing. God is in the business of using the most ordinary people to do the most extraordinary things for his kingdom. A farm boy from North Carolina changed the course of the world spiritually. Guys, can you even fathom the cost of souls had Billy ignored God's call to be his warrior? If Billy was like, man, I just really like plowing the field. Like, that's just my thing. There would have been millions of souls who didn't know God, maybe even you. Maybe you didn't hear it through a crusade, but millions of people were 
were transformed in Jesus through one of his crusades. And so many of the preachers and teachers and evangelists of the world now were influenced by his ministry. So probably the majority of us were directly influenced by his life, whether we know it or not. And he just simply obeyed Jesus. Millions of people. And I wonder, how many of us have never even told one soul? Just one. Billy spent 83 years telling people of Jesus. Have we, do you think, spent even 83 collective years, all of us here in this room? Maybe we have. I really hope that we have. Have you spent 83 hours sharing the gospel of Jesus? I'm not talking like we got to go through Romans Road. I'm just talking like saying the name of Jesus to people in your, in your normal everyday life. I'm, I'm not here to guilt trip you into preaching the gospel. I'm here to remind all of us, myself included, that the only mission we have on this earth is to preach the gospel. And so it's time. It's time for us to be reignited for the urgency for this to happen. It is our time in history. It is our place on earth because the greatest gospel preaching warrior of our time has gone home. He heard, well done, my faithful servant. And now the baton has been passed to you and to me. And we get to do this as a team because man, those are big shoes to fill. But we can rally because it's our time, dear church. Here's the thing, though. Everything rises and falls with what God wants to do in our life based on our heart condition. I speak with so much authority in this area because I, man, I've had some struggles in my life that God's had to go, yeah, girl, this does not fit my character. Our heart condition toward God first and then toward people directly determines if he gets to use us for his purpose. If we're going to love people towards the heart of God, our heart first has to be so in line with God the Father and so in love with him and so willing to love people. Not perfection living. It requires righteous living, which is just like a, a humility before God. The, the awareness that he's given us everything we need to know in this book right here. And if we'll search it and we'll begin to know it, and we'll begin to apply it, then our life changes, and the lives of people around us change. There was this group of religious leaders in Matthew 22. They're standing around Jesus one day, and he's preaching live. And one of them, the Bible says, was an expert in religious law. And he tried to drap Jesus with a question. Now, I'm not an expert in religious law, but um, I would not suggest the approach of trying to trap Jesus with his own words. Um, this doesn't scream expert to me. I don't know about you, um, but a holier-than-thou attitude, attitude toward Jesus or even towards his people, it just never pans out very well. So I'd suggest we kind of just put that one aside. Um, to me, it's clear that this guy's heart condition wasn't centered on Jesus. It was centered on himself. And so he says, Jesus, let me trap you. What's the most important commandment? And Jesus says in Matthew 22, 37, he's so smart. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No big deal. Love God, love your neighbor. It is so simple until you realize you're not doing it very well. 
So I'm a church leader, and I, I love all of you, and some of you know me, know me and some of you don't. Um, that's okay. But I want you to know, I struggle. Not different than any of you. So here's one of my struggles. Sometimes I struggle to love people once they've wronged me. So when people wrong me, I struggle to forgive them. To be really clear, I expect people that don't know God to have selfish motivation, to say words that maybe aren't super loving, to to act rudely. I expect that. So I weigh their words accordingly. But when a Christ follower hurts me, I kind of go into like you're dead to me mode. Isn't that terrible? It's incredibly dramatic. It's so not like Jesus or Billy Graham. (laughs) I'm working on it. Just ask my husband. No, don't ask him. (laughs) But guys, it's a strange struggle because on one hand, I love people so much. I even like people. I love getting to know new people, learning about them, beginning to do life with them. But then when they step into life with Christ and they act human, I get this grudge toward them and I hate it. And about 10 years ago, God began to wake me up, to stir me. Hey, Heidi, wake me up to the reality that this was dangerous ground that I was on. His word says in Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. That's awesome. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly father will not forgive your sin. For me personally, sometimes the Bible can seem a little unclear. Not this one. Nope. This is crystal clear. I kind of wish it left room for more imagination. It's not. It's just black and white. Because this is serious ground. It risks separating me, my heart, from God the Father for all of eternity. And maybe I'm the only one in the room. Maybe you're like, man, she is so much more sinful than me. (laughs) I might be. But over the last decade, God started to work this out of me. It has taken a decade. I'm not proud of that. But I recognize this trend in my spirit, something that is so far from the heartbeat of God, this unwillingness to forgive people. And I saw it for what it was. It was sin. So this thing that was active in my life, it didn't reflect God's nature. And so people around me couldn't see the truth of who he was. And so I had to allow God to start removing it. It was painful. There were some situations that I really wanted to hang on to. Like if I told you the details, you'd be like, girl, you have every right to be hating on her. But I really wanted God to fix this. I'm like, Lord, show me in your word where you can handle this, where you can take care of this. And he led me to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36. And it says this, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony and your stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. Do you know that the word of God says that stubbornness is a sin? Man, I have a lot to work on. I'm convicting myself. So guys, we cannot afford to to walk with hard hearts towards people because it's going to keep us away from God the Father. That's all there is to it. Our eternity is at stake The eternity of people around us is at stake if we don't reflect the love of Jesus to those lost souls. 
So if we're going to remain in this sleeping state and we're not going to sense the urgency of what God needs to take out of our life, we're going to miss out on the purpose God has for us. Hell's not a very popular topic, even in church. People don't like to hear about it. There's a lot of people that believe in God. There's a lot of people that even want to believe in the idea of Jesus, but they don't believe in the concept of hell. But here's the reality, guys. If we believe that God's word is true, that he's a God of love, we also have to believe that he's just. The Bible says that over and over. I'm a, I'm a God that is just. And he gives us free will. We get to act out however we want to act because it's our decision. We get to deny or choose him every day. Millions of souls all around us deciding, are we going to walk with God are we not going to walk with God? Guys, we Jesus followers, we've got to wake up. We've got to see these souls around us because they're not just, they're not just people passing us by. They're, they're on the way to hell if they have not received Jesus. I think God has ways of reaching people beyond us, but we're his first plan. We're the plan. I'm going to put these people on this earth. They're going to choose me, and then they are going to help others choose me. In the past many months, I've had a lot of people close to me lose loved ones um, to death and some really tragic instances. But there's been a very unique bond that they've shared of grief, but a very huge separation of their response. The people who felt that their loved one was in eternity with Jesus Christ and they had the hope that they'd be reunited with them, their grieving process has been very, very different. They've had hope and even joy in some cases. And then the people who believed that their loved one had purposefully denied God and left God out of their life, their grieving process has looked really different, like agonizing, believing that that might be it. Their eternity may be decided Far from God, far from love. How would you feel if that was your loved one? If your loved one's eternity was decided and you were pretty sure they did not know God and you had the chance to tell them. I see some of your faces sitting here and I know for a fact that you've come to know God because someone in your family told you about him. Someone in your family said, walk this path as I'm walking it because it's working. And you stepped into life with Jesus. Guys, I am so proud of this church. We just circled up here to pray before this, and our production director shared the things that this church has decided to step into to say yes to God in. Things like going away from our country to be a nanny to a family she'd never met. Things like stepping into an adoption. Things like opening their home to being foster parents. They're young. They have their own child. But they're going, yes, God, I'm in. And the list keeps going. People who are inviting others to their table. People they don't even know. Guys, this is our church, and I am so proud of you. Please hear my heart when we say this. But we have got to be awakened to all of the opportunities around us. We've got to be showing the love of Jesus for this generation right here, right now. Jesus said, love your neighbor. He's saying the people you're already doing life with, the people you already have a relationship, that's what it implies to me anyway. And when we do that, people can't help but be drawn to Jesus. 
A couple weeks ago, I had this, I woke up with just this sense, like, I have a lot to do on my plate today, but man, my soul needs to pray with other believers. And so I text a few of the women in my life, and I'm like, hey, long shot, but do any of you want to come to my house and pray today for just like an hour? And the craziest thing happened. They all said yes, and they showed up at my house. And a few hours later, we prayed in unity not just for this church, for the big C church, the global church of Jesus, that we would begin to wake up to what God wants to do. And one thing that got prayed that day was that um, across the globe, that people would be drawn to churches of Jesus like a magnetic force, just pulling them in. And it kind of hit me. I'm like, wow, we meet in a, in a metal building. You know, like that's a magnetic pull. I love that. But a few days later, we're here in church on Sunday morning, and there's this young guy who is here for the first time. He's our first-time guest, and someone in this church had been loving him the way Jesus would love him and live in a life that shows him who Jesus is. And he's here, and I'm talking to him, and I said, we're so glad that you're here. What brought you here? And he said, you know, I, I don't even know how to tell you this, but it's the strangest thing. I just felt drawn that I had to be here. And I'm like... I can tell you what it is. That's Jesus. We prayed you in. So friends, God is getting ready to move. There there are hearts sitting here today that are about ready to shift. There, There are people in this room today that are about ready to choose Jesus. Okay, and you might be one of them. You're you might be feeling goosebumps thinking, like, man, I think she's talking to me. I am. I am talking to you. There's a move of God, I believe, of historic proportion that's getting ready to happen. And you know what I think? I think it's going to play in Peoria. I think it's going to start here, right here, right now. And then I think it's going to have this massive ripple effect. And I think our nation is going to go, do you know what God is doing in Peoria, Illinois? Do you know what is happening? We can't even explain it, but it is massive. And I think it's going to ripple across the globe because there's an opening, and it is so time for all of the teachers and the leaders and the preachers and the people of God to step up and to start sharing. You cannot afford to wait. The time is now. The time is now. Guys, people need Jesus, and so we've got to ask, okay, I'm in, but what is holding me back? What holds me back from going, God, I think you're prompting me. Ah, and then we walk away and we don't obey. What's holding us back? I think most of the time it's afraid to preach the gospel because we complicated it. We, we made it something that you think you've got to know text and verse and be able to quote it off the top of your head in order to be effective in God's kingdom. That is not true. It's helpful, but it's not true. Or, or maybe even worse yet, it's your pride. You're thinking like, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. You'll be in my camp. <laughs> Or you like you picture the crazy person on the corner of Chicago yelling at people about heaven and hell, affecting nobody, right? Jesus said, just love your neighbor, the people you're already doing life with. So often, preaching the gospel isn't with a complete stranger. Sometimes it is. I know people that go to Walmart just to pray for people, and that is awesome. And I fully promote that. But so often it's just people seeing your life reflecting Jesus, going, man, there is something about them and I want it. It's the people being brought to your table. It's the people you're interacting with at work and they start 
going off about their spouse and they start hearing positive, loving remarks about your spouse and they think, man, that guy is, there's something different about him. Why doesn't she gossip about her husband when all the rest of us are gossiping about our husbands? There's something different. It's when you're single and you're choosing purity over popularity. Even if he's the best thing you've ever met. It's when the, the team sees an 11-year-old choose church and setting up chairs over the hockey game. It's a big deal, guys. People go, what's different? Jesus said, they're going to know you belong to me by the fruits in your life. That's discipleship. Just one soul at a time. Discipleship. I heard a story of this young girl this week that walked up to a woman in our church and she said, whatever I see in the women in this church, I want it. How do I get that? Yes, you're doing it. You are doing it, church. I am so proud of you. This is where hearts begin to change when they can see you and emulate what Jesus is doing within you. But your heart condition has to be towards Jesus. I can always tell my proximity to God based on how I treat people. Always. I start to feel hard-hearted toward God. I've stepped away from God the Father. I've stepped away from the word of God. I start to be a little more loving. I've been in God's word. I've been drenching my soul in the hope of who he is. Okay, I got to rush on. There's this story in the Bible that is so astonishing to me. It's the, it's the chapter right after the verse to give us a new heart. It's Ezekiel 37. And this is the, the chapter, I mean, it rocks my world. Ezekiel is a prophet of God, so God gave him visions and dreams. There might be people here that God's given you visions and dreams and you don't know what they mean. Find someone in this church that you trust and tell them your dream because God might want to do something through your dream. That's a side note. But here's what Ezekiel 37 says. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away to the spirit of the Lord to the valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones. They covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and they were completely dried out. And then he said to me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and I'm going to make you live again. And I will put flesh and muscle on you and I will cover you with skin and I will put breath into you and you will come to life, meaning you will wake up. You're going to wake up, church, and then you, are know, you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke the message just as he told me. I obeyed God. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley, and the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, and then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. And so I spoke the message as he commanded me. And I breathed and their breath came into their bodies. And they came to life and they stood up on their feet, a great army. I want to be in that army, church. I want you to be the people right alongside me. 
Because God is raising up this incredible army. Can you imagine if we were close enough to the heartbeat of God that we could see a cemetery and go, we have the power to see those dead bones come to life. The media would start to get wind of that. I want to be a believer that believes God still moves like that. There's so many promises in the word of God unclaimed. So I hope you don't mind, but I'm sort of claiming this for our church. I'm going, this might have happened way back old school, but I'm believing it's for today. I'm believing that this army rising up is us. I'm believing that God is doing a work of epic proportion that we couldn't even begin to fathom. Don't let your heart be hard toward God or towards people. Don't hold up this invisible barrier. I asked this friend of mine who I love, and I keep asking her about her closeness to God. And she said, I can't really explain it. I just feel like I'm holding up this invisible barrier, purposefully separating me from God. And she wants him. Please drop the barrier. It's your day today. Don't walk out these doors without a conversation with Jesus. You don't have to pray a super special prayer. Just humble yourself. Say, God, I I know I'm far from you. Maybe you feel utterly helpless. God's word says in Romans 5, 6, that when you felt utterly helpless, God came. Jesus came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. And then it says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. You think, yeah, well, you don't really know what I messed up in. I don't, but Jesus does. And he came for you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. He loves you. He created you. His breath is within you. Your breath is meant to be returned in praise toward him and used to bring people to him. In Romans 8.1, it says, So there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Later, In that verse, it says, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. Ezekiel saw the vision of dead bones being brought back to life. So church, sin no longer controls us. We don't have to bend to the the ways of this world. We get to go, God, I'm a mess, but can you sort this out? Billy Graham's life changed so many generations for Jesus. And you know what? Parents, you might be raising the next Billy Graham in your home. You know what? You might be sitting next to a man or a woman at work and they're the next greatest evangelism. But you've got to tell them that God loves them first. He was 16 when someone finally told them. No matter what life is throwing at you, you've got to persevere through it with the hope of Jesus. If you can't do it alone, find someone that can come alongside you and cheer you on. That song that Phil sang, you've got to live your life well. You've got to go, I've got one story to tell. I've got one life to tell it. So awaken, oh, my soul. That baton has been passed and you're in the race now. You're in the race, but look around. We're all in this together. I don't know if we could ever accomplish what Billy Graham did, but as an army, we can do a lot. I love what was said last week, and I'm going to finish with this. 
I think it resonated with so many of you because I saw you repost it on Instagram. He said, Jesus, do all that you have in mind. We are with you, heart and soul. Amen. Jesus, will you do all that you have in mind through this little body of believers, Lord God, through these Christ followers. Jesus, would you please awaken our souls to the people around us? God, give us the boldness to be a reflection of you to people that are already in our life. God, will you this very week open up conversations? God, would you draw people to your people like a magnetic force? Would you pull people into your church? God, that Literally, you would be rejoicing because this great awakening is started and is rippling. God, I pray that Billy going home to you would just be the very tip of the iceberg for what you're going to accomplish through this people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.